Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. The hat is back in Champaign. Welcome to the Elon Enquirer podcast. It's Jeremy Warner and Joey Wagner up in the Memorial Stadium press box where we just saw the most dominant Illinois Big Ten victory in six years. Uh, and we saw the most dominant Illinois victory over Northwestern. Since 1989, I was two years old at that time. I don't believe Joey Wagner was born. Were you born? Nope, 91. (laughs) Nope, nothing for me. Yeah, so uh, it has been a long time since we've seen that kind of domination. 47-14 to for Illinois. Chase Brown goes for 112 yards. Brandon Peters uh, throws for 242. Isaiah Williams with 135 overall yards. The defense was dominant throughout most of the game against a really bad Northwestern team, but Illinois treated them like a really bad Northwestern team. So it's 5-7. and seven. But, Joey, it feels good for Illinois, I think. These guys feel good about how they ended the season. Yes, there are regrets along the way this season. This could have been a really special year. Wouldn't have had to need uh, some help to make a bowl game. And uh, you, very, you have very dwindling options of making a bowl game at 5-7 and seven right now. So we'll see how that all plays out. We don't know all the details of all that at, at this moment. But to get that hat back for the first time in six years, to beat Northwestern, uh, Minnesota, Penn State, Nebraska in the same season, I'd have a four-win season. I told you to have a positive scoring differential in Big Ten play for the first time since 2010 – This program got better this year. They were more competitive, and they won some big games they haven't won in years past. I think after the way this year ended, three wins in the last five games, uh, Brett Bielma shows that this program is getting better and it should be in a better place moving forward. Yeah, and let's be honest. Let's go back to the Wisconsin game. First of all, they end up with a positive point differential after getting – I mean, it was a 24-0, which doesn't scream like blowout, but that game was a blowout. We both watched it. We know darn well it was. And to still turn up, I mean, 24 or nothing in the point differential, and to still turn up positive is something else. But the way that this team, and we've kind of been talking about it a little bit, Jeremy, for about a month now, right, that this team took this dead-on-arrival bye week and, and really put it all together and came back and, and closed this thing strong. I think we learned a lot about Brett Bielema's program today, and maybe it's because, in fairness, like, we were more locked in and asking some of those big picture questions after the win, but you can see the impact that he and this coaching staff have had on this team, this program, the players. I mean, it's kind of a, an 11 month speed dating course for Brett Bielema and his assistant coaches. And these guys are all in on their head coach, I guess what is, who will soon be their former head coach for 11 months. And it really resonated in a pretty loud way. And before we get into the nuts and bolts, you and I were both kind of scanning about the field during the celebration, just trying to take in some color to to try to bring some of this to light. I mean, we we have access. That's literally what we're paid to do. And that that really told me a lot too, didn't it? I mean, it's the way that it mattered to beat this team. Devin Witherspoon turned into a part-time band conductor. Owen Carney had trash-talking signs. You know, this is our state. And you just really felt the magnitude of all of it in that moment. And, and, I, and I thought Brett Bielema throughout the week and now as we piece together how he approached this week, it feels like he kind of put together a plan beyond the X's and O's of, of maybe emphasizing what's important in this. And it's, I just thought it all kind of really came together today. And, and obviously there's so many big picture ramifications. But this is a team that yeah. took a bad team that literally like Yakety Sacks could have played over a couple of offensive possessions. For Northwestern, it was pretty, pretty tough to see. But we've seen Illinois teams in the past not win. Those Two years teams. ago, yes. their six-win team with a chance to go seven and five, guarantee your first winning season in the Big Ten and as a program since I, I believe 2007. 
Um, and, and I know the 2010 team was a winning team, but they went four and four in the Big Ten. But you had the chance to do that, and they got crushed by a bad Northwestern uh, team. Andrew Marty, yeah, uh, Andrew Marty, who didn't last through the first quarter um, today. So, yeah, I just thought it was a disciplined team. You did today what a middle pack Big Ten team should do, which that's what Illinois was this year. Think about that. If you if I would have told you before the year, you're going to finish eighth in the Big Ten. You're going to win four Big Ten games. Can't guarantee you a bowl, but you're going to beat Northwestern. You're going to beat Minnesota. You're going to beat Penn State. You're going to beat Nebraska. I think a lot of people would sign up for that. And, and knowing that you play competitive football, and, and I can tell you you're going to outscore Big Ten opponents by four points, you say, like, that's pretty dang good. Uh, there are games that certainly you regret. I mean, not closing out Purdue, not closing out Maryland, because then you'd be a bowl team and it'd be even sweeter. Uh, but I think getting that trophy uh, against that program, which someone explained Northwestern football to me, um, winning the West and then following each of those years finishing last in the West. But I think that says a lot about the upward mobility of the West. And Brett Buma said, it's part of the reason I wanted this job is because the Big Ten West, it's winnable. I mean, Iowa's going to the Big Ten uh, championship game. Uh, Wisconsin, we know, is good. Those are the two standard bearers. You weren't that – I mean, Wisconsin, you were that far off. Iowa, you weren't that far off of this year. You beat Minnesota. Um, you should have beat Purdue, who finished ahead of, you, ahead of you in the standings. So there's a lot to go moving forward roster-wise. Um, these players believe in Brett Bielma. I mean, you're, you're hearing about how it just feels different. The energy in the room is different. And, of course, they're going to say that after a win over Northwestern. But these guys have bought in. They didn't quit Joey. And I think you and I have seen from Brett Bielma just his involvement in every little detail of this program, the granular stuff to the big picture stuff. Like, he is a CEO of this program. He's got his fingerprints on everything. He's hired good people around him. And – this was a step forward this season, right? It wasn't a gigantic step forward. You're going to have to reset a lot on your team, but there are foundation pieces that you have set where Illinois took one step up in the Big Ten. Now, can they, over the next couple of years, can they build on that? Yeah, and he's a CEO. Part of being a CEO is, one, I mean, you got to have the skills to do it, right? But you got to know the people aspect of it. I think that's the thing over 11 months that I've really – kind of understood about Brett Bielema is he knows when to hit the buttons. And sometimes, you know, there's times when we hear him in a press conference and we think, okay, where did that come from? And it always comes from somewhere because he understands when to hit those buttons and how to, I don't want to say needle his team, but how to, to kind of redirect his team a different way so they understand either the big picture or what they need to do differently. And that's probably one, one of the most jarring things that I've seen it's just his ability to read and be what he needs to be. Yeah, can, can I yeah. counter on that? Um, because going into Penn State, none of us gave him a chance. Uh, and he found a way to get his team really focused that, guys, we can go in there and win this game. Nobody else believes it, but we can win this game. And they went in there and won that game. Uh, then they come home, have a loss, but then they go on the road again to Minnesota, who's fighting for a Big Ten West title. And no one's really giving them much of a chance. And he gets them focused. You follow that up with a disappointing loss to Rutgers. But to, to win this game, uh, Joey, I, I think, and to reset your team. I mean, they compete against Iowa, right? Um, and, and you reset your team and you get them focused on this game and what it could mean, despite losing the chance to clinch bowl eligibility, I think says a lot about, yes, he knows when to challenge them. Uh, when to scream when he has to, but also when to love him up and, and what the message has to be. Like He's really good at messaging, and you can tell that, that that's you know obviously worked with this program. Yeah, it's just one of the things that I just maybe I wasn't exactly looking for is, I mean, you know, we're trying to learn all these coaches at the same time, right, and, and trying to figure it out. Uh, but, man, this is – we can't get away from the – like, every time I'm sitting here and I'm trying to put all this together, kind of in real time here, Jeremy, um, like, this was a huge win. And, but part of me does circle back to those losses. because They are part of all yeah. of this and part of this story. And, and look, if, if Brett is the one to turn this thing in three years, I bet he will talk about those losses because those matter. But right now, like, this closing stretch is not – really what I expected, right? Like, we looked at the beginning part of the schedule. Now, this was before UTSA did UTSA things. And we thought, hey, this team could really start out in a pretty good spot as we looked at this. And 
totally backwards from what we thought because there's no way that we would have said when they went into Penn State, well, listen, they're going to beat Penn State and Minnesota, and they're going to play Iowa pretty close, and by the way, Brett won't be there. And then they're going to come back, and Northwestern is just not very good this year, but I didn't expect them to close like this. And I just think that that was part of this kind of snowball rolling downhill of him building this and and kind of putting it all together, and, and then to send some of those guys out the right way. Like it, it, Every time we talk about it, in my mind, I'm like, Okay, that's a little cliche, right? Like, all right, what senior day? Like, and I know how much it means to them, uh, but it really did, man. It, it did mean a lot to them out there and putting it all together. It's, it's the best I've seen them look uh, this year against a bad team, but you have to look good against bad teams if you want to show that upward growth. And now Brett's got a, a pretty red hot close to the season, maybe with one more. Who knows, right? Let's just throw our hands up now and say we don't know what this is yeah, going to be. Yeah, for look anybody like. that wants like, us to dive into all those possibilities, with the APR not coming out uh, and with the day not done, I mean, we're recording this at, at 745. Uh, I think there was about three open spots left. We don't know what the APR is. I mean, their chances are dwindling here, but we just don't know where the APR is. Who could turn down a bowl game? There's just a lot of things. But Illinois would take uh, the bowl game. I, I, I do think what Brett has said, and, and even after this game, you know, he, he let these guys celebrate this one as they should, and boy, did they. Um, but I think he's going to reset them to say, guys, this has to be the expectation now. Like, we should expect to go to these places and compete. We should expect to beat Northwestern. Like, these shouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, these are life-changing games. Now, for Doug Kramer, Vidarian Lowe, Alex Pelczewski, in-state guys who have never won this game, this is a lifelong memory. And for a lot of these guys, this could be a lifelong memory. But then you got to do it again next week. And I think he's done a really good job of doing that. And kudos Ryan Walters' crew continues to just be fantastic. I mean, there's not a lot to, to break down from this game because it was just an old-fashioned butt-whooping uh, that we haven't seen for Illinois since Keyshawn Vaughn and Josh Ferguson uh, led Illinois to a 48-14 win at Purdue. It's been that long since Illinois won a game uh, by this kind of margin in the Big Ten. Um, so kudos to them for doing this. But the offense, Joe, I, I thought this would be their best total game the defense set him up with a lot of short fields. Uh, Donnie Navarro did a great job. I mean, Illinois' average field position was their own 48 today. But the offense took advantage of that, finally, right? Brandon Peters, one of his best games in the Illini uniform. You just wish you would have seen it more consistently, but good for him to finish like that. Uh, Chase Brown, 112 yards. Isaiah Williams, you're just seeing what he can be and what, what the next quarterback can have and at least one weapon, and we'll see what Illinois can add around it. Uh, but Tony Peterson had a great game. Uh, some of the play calls he had were very creative. Illinois dominated up front for the most part, and then Ryan Walters' defense just does what Ryan Walters' defense does uh, and just shut down uh, Northwestern and, and kept a Big Ten team under 20 points. So just the most complete game. I mean, any part of this game, um, Illinois basically dominated. So uh, they didn't get win time of possession by the way, at the end, because they had such short fields and such quick drives. Tisk tisk. Um, you know, th- those are the big stats here. But no, this was – not only did they, they put a complete game, but this wasn't where it got to be the second half and then it just started getting completely worn down and blown out. They came out and they haymakered them. The first two drives were a little blah, right? I mean, it, it both stalled out. And then after that, it was just a right hook after right hook and – and the defense, I mean, stepped up and put that offense in position. But, Jeremy, we've talked so many times on this postgame press conference, like, man, when is the offense really going to help the defense out? And a week after they didn't in any way, shape, or form, they came out and were like, all right, we got it. Like, this is it. This is, uh, this is the complimentary football that Illinois had been seeking. And, look, let's also be honest, they put up 47. They should have had a 50-burger, right? I mean, Tip Ryman, I didn't see the play. Someone is going to inevitably say it wasn't a an unsportsmanlike conduct, it may not have been. I don't know. But that really almost took away a touchdown, right? I mean, they end up settling for a field goal. Well, and I got tweeted at that uh, Illinois was kicking too many field goals. Yes, too many points. James McCourt, four field goals. Might have put him in all Big Ten category here after today. Um, but, I mean, come on. Uh, even seeing that was just like, we're going to move the ball on the field, kick field goals, continue to build this lead. Eight straight jo- drives, Joey, uh, where they scored points, uh, which is something we haven't seen from Tony Peterson's defense or offense. Obviously, Northwestern's defense is not very good. I, I said that coming in in my preview and picks. This is not the typical Northwestern defense. 
but you treated them like a last place Big Ten team. You Northwestern looked like what Illinois teams have looked like against Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern, Northwestern <laughs> those kind of teams. I mean, Northwestern have been a little closer for most of those years, but yes, you looked like a middle tier Big Ten team killing Illinois the last couple of years. You did that to Northwestern. Right, yeah, that's I, I, again this, this game in so many ways, Jeremy felt like the culmination of, of all of it, and, and maybe it's just because we're sitting here and it's the finality of it, and you're like, oh, okay, like that's it's such a feel good win, right? Yeah, it is. I I just think that the way it's, they put everything together finally, and again, it, a bad team like that's the qualifier that we could literally say every time we talk about this game, but just putting it all together. And you just kind of saw, like, in my mind right now, I'm going back to post-game after UTSA, I believe it was, and it was penalties, mental errors, and turnovers, right? Like, that's Brett's big – like, he might have that painted all over the Smith Center. He probably does. I'd love to know. But, like, that's – you hear it all the time from him. If you listen to those pressers, Jeremy, we don't hear – we haven't heard it as frequently, at least defensively, offensively, any number of times. Um, But we haven't heard it as frequently, and today – just flat out, we didn't see it either. Like, the, the two penalties on sportsmanlike conducts, um, again, the tip Ryman, I don't know. I've got to go back and see it if I even do. One Brandon Peters pick that was uh, a bad throw bad behind throw, him yeah. and got deflected up. Yeah, but I, those things that, that had been kind of popping up at really, really bad times stayed away today. And I, I think Brett's got all of this, this body of work and this body of evidence that, hey, listen, I've not just been telling you this stuff for 11 months and, you know, putting your trust in me that it's going to work like you're seeing it. And that is, uh, it's a good time to have that, right? Because now you go into the off season of, or maybe another bowl game, we don't know, right? But like, you've got that little bit of momentum and a little bit of results in the words. And, and that matters a lot when you've got a whole off season to, to work out and to talk about that. And you go out on the recruiting trail and, and you sell all of this, this was, I, I just think, di- like, how different would this be, not even a blowout in Northwestern's favor, but another close loss. Like, wh- yeah. what are we saying? What, what, how would that have affected the down-the-road yeah, trajectory? If they would have lost the close game today, I think it would have been, man, this team was competitive, they just didn't know how to win games, right? Yeah. And it, it probably would have been the offense struggling probably talking a lot about Tony Peterson and his future, which I think Tony Peterson's back, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure uh, he's going to be back and be surprised because you can see when he gets good quarterback play and they make those plays, this offense can move and it's very complimentary. It's what they want to do offensively. It's what Brett Bielema wants to do offensively. So I think that was a step forward and kind of shows maybe the next quarterback, listen, our quarterback wasn't playing very well this year, but once he did, look how we moved the ball through the air. And when we get our offensive line uh, fixed here a little bit and, and add some talent there, we can be really good. I want to talk a little bit about the offseason, but I do want to talk, you and I, uh, filling out one bi- all-Big Ten ballot basically together. I want to c- talk about the guys we're considering for all-Big Ten. Chase Brown over 1,000 yards. He's only the 14th running back to do that in Illinois history. He's getting at least a third-team all-Big Ten selection for me. Uh, just a great season for him. And he's a guy that, man, like – I don't know if he's an NFL draft pick, but I bet he puts his name in. He's he's deserved that. There's a lot of good running backs. It's hard to get drafted kind of when you're a running back, uh, especially in such a loaded conference. I mean, for Chase to be the the fifth or sixth best, uh, probably if if you ranked them all up, um, I I think he's got a chance at the next level, and it wouldn't surprise me if if he did that. Otherwise, on offense – you know, Isaiah Williams, sorry, there's six wide receiver selections. All of which play for Ohio State. <laughs> Three of which <laughs> play for Ohio State, and maybe one or two for, for Purdue as well. Uh, it's probably going to be very tough for that. Uh, but, man, I think he can be in that mix next year potentially. I think he's got that kind of talent. Uh, but offensive line, right? I think Vidarian Lowe probably deserves all Big Ten uh, honors. And, you know, Doug Kramer could probably put himself into that category. He missed a couple games that could hurt him. Those are probably the only guys offensively, right? Daniel Barker's a good player. Just don't know if he put up the numbers compared to some of these other tight ends in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think, though, Doug Kramer's a, a kind of a tough omission in the sense that, like, we understand his value to this team, but there's also the reality that, like, this is 
Big Ten's got a lot of really good centers, and one of which is like a shoe-in, Tyler Linderbaum. It's like a top ten pick, which yeah, for a center is ridiculous. If, if he wants to be, right? Like, we don't even know what he's going to do. So, basically, you're talking two other centers. Um, and, and so John does, Michael Schmitz in Minnesota. Wisconsin's Joe Tipman's really good. It, so, it gets tough in that. I want to circle back to Chase Brown really quickly. So, we, we kind of glossed over, because there's just so much big picture to talk about, 1,000 yards, right? 1,005 yards is what he's going to end the regular season with. His carries in the first two games, five, seven, and then he gets 14 against Maryland. Charlotte's the big, like, holy crap, look at this dude game. Eight against Wisconsin. Penn State, another one of those 200-yard performances. Rutgers really slowed him down. He had 18 for 67. He was a bell cow again at Minnesota. But then 27 in the last two games, I mean, that's not even – You did this on 170 carries. Yeah, yeah, on 170 carries, and, I mean – his stat line is still one of the craziest. Like he did, he had two games of like yards between 100 and 200, and like and then two 200 plus yard games and everything else. 24, 41, 57, 67, 42. And he missed a game. Yeah, it's just been such a weird like season. But when he's healthy, he, he is a very productive back. It's just the Big Ten's got a lot of really productive backs. And he's doing it in an offense that doesn't have a lot to look away from him, sure. right? Like, so for him to be productive through that is really impressive, says something about the offensive line and, and then being able to move some people, but also for him uh, to just be really effective. Some of his long runs today and a couple gash runs today where he broke some tackles and, and really did some things. So it just feels like he's not a guy that's talked about. Like, that Reggie Corbin here, Everyone was talking about it because well, he had such long touchdown yeah. runs and, and all of that. And it was like, oh, my God, Illinois got this offense. And he came out of nowhere. Uh, Chase Brown, the last two years, um, it's been weird because last year he was on pace for about 800 in a normal season. He's been two of the best back-to-back rushing years for an Illinois running back in a long time. I mean, Reggie had one really great year, and then the next year just okay. Mike Epstein was kind of splitting carries with him. Um, but it feels like he's not talked about like in that 1,000-yard running back kind of category, and I hope he is because he's really good. And if they get him back for another year, uh, boy, uh, they got they got something to build around. And Brett Bielma certainly can sell that to running backs. He sold it well, um, what he did at Wisconsin, and Jordan Anderson doing what he did, Aiden Lawfrey doing what he did. And to have Caden Fagan here in the stands, 2023 kid out of Atwood, um, pretty good uh, to see the 1,000-yard back. Yeah, can we just say I don't have the stat pulled up in front of me for, for Brett Bielma's coaching career, but oh, ho-hum, another 1,000-yard <laughs> runner in Brett Bielma's offense. And for an offense, frankly, that wasn't very good for a vast majority of this season, pretty good recruiting pitch, isn't it? Yep. I go out and well, – like Offensive I, linemen too, right? I mean, you saw that's offensive linemen. Yeah, and I just don't look – like those are two positions that, like, I think we probably knew when, when they hired BM. Like, okay, they'll probably recruit those at a decent level. Like, we'll see how it all pans out, but, like, he's got enough body of work. But to do it in year one, like, I just – like, I know this year one was frustrating – your ones usually aren't very fun for a lot of people, man. And <laughs> Especially in Illinois history. Yeah, and, and I understand this one was different with the super seniors, and would we be having a lot of these same conversations without them? I, I get all that's a fun conversation, but, like, as far as year one goes, and like, there's just so many things that Brett can carry um, on the recruiting trail. And, and he said he's leaving on Monday and coming back Friday, Friday or he's leaving th- – He's going to be gone for a bit. He's leaving Sunday, Sunday and coming back right. Friday. And that, that's something you don't question with him is his effort on the recruiting trail, right? Let's be honest. We question that at times with Lovey Smith, and, and there was reasons for that. You don't with Brett. All right, let's move to the defensive side of the ball where I think we got a long list here uh, with what they did under that's Ryan Walters. Yes, all Big Ten candidates here, Joey. Uh, number one is Kirby Joseph. Uh, he's going to be a first-team all Big Ten guy for me. Uh, five interceptions leads the country, or at least did entering this week. I uh, thought he had a chance for one today. <laughs> Name was going for the hit. Uh, three fumble recoveries. Just an unbelievable uh, emergence. And, and it's a kudos to the staff for finding a talent, giving him a chance, developing him, and giving him all the, the football intelligence and confidence in the world. Like Kirby talks about how much smarter he is as a football player. And he's a really smart like human, like he's a really good student. Um, so, so to see him transfer that, Sidney Brown, I think can be in that conversation. I don't know if he gets there, uh, but I think he's had his best football year, right? And then up front, Owen Carney probably is going to be an all-Big Ten guy. Isaiah Gay has played himself into that, man. Like I don't think his stats were big today, Joey. I don't have him in front of me, but like 
he was disrupting things and he was doing it against a, probably a future first round pick and Peter Skaronsky. He won many reps today. Uh, so he ends his career extremely well playing his best ball, which is a huge compliment to the staff, especially in a new position. Uh, I think Devin Witherspoon could, could be in that conversation. I think he had about 10 pass breakups this year. Really good tackler. And, and then uh, I'll give one more guy. I think Keith Randolph is going to find his way into one of my all-Big Ten. Had a sack today. He's, he's in two tackles for loss. He doesn't get the stats because he's an interior defensive lineman. At times, I thought he was their defensive MVP. Now, Kirby probably gets that at the end of the season, but Keith Randolph was disrupting a lot this year. Yeah, let's, let's gripe about a few things here uh, <laughs> defensively because I do enjoy a good gripe. Um, you? Yeah, of all the people. <laughs> Interior defensive linemen and edge defensive linemen should be two different All-Big Ten categories. Yes. That, it, it just makes no sense because it's such a different statistical operation. Owen Carney is going to be a linebacker by designation for all Big Ten. Again, edge should be a thing here because that's different. Like, that's so much different for where Owen Carney should end up. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, all, all of those guys, and you could really, again, we're saying this, Jake Hansen didn't play the whole season. Calvin Hart, we don't, it's so hard to extrapolate what would have been beyond those first three quarters. But what we saw in those was pretty good. And, by the way, a lot of them come back. It's another conversation. But, like, there's really some – like, Brett has made it a point to kind of point out, like, it's not just one superstar. This isn't – this is no knock for the love of God on George Carl Aftis, but, like, it isn't just one guy just creating so much havoc for everybody. It's just kind of – It was like Whitney Merciless in 2011, Yeah, this, right? yeah. It, so it, it comes from a lot of different places, and, and that's why I think there's more defensive players that we're having in this discussion than offensive players. But Kirby Joseph – it's still a little hard for me to wrap my head around because, you know, he was wide receiver last year. And He's a third-string safety last year. Uh, and maybe, honestly, as recently as week zero. Yeah. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Derek, great special teamer. Derek Smith started this, and I remember Kirby had some, Now he's in the portal. Yeah. I remember Kirby had some, like, special teams playing. I'm like, hey, maybe. Safety, yeah. Good yeah, safety. maybe this guy is has found his role, and this is what it is, but – Wow, he's really emerged, and I know you've written about him, and we've talked to Ryan Walters 162 times about him. What a freaking development. And, again, the same way that if you're offensively, we think, hey, they'll probably be able to recruit offensive linemen and running backs because there's a history. I'm sending Ryan Ryan Walters to every single high school that they have a safety that is of interest because there's a body of work there. And I asked him about it, and I can tell you, Recruits I talked with today that are on campus, they've noticed. They've noticed Owen Carney's development, Isaiah Gay's development, Kirby Joseph, these cornerbacks. Um, I think they're going to do very well in defensive recruiting, especially transfers. Uh, I mean, if you're a transfer that they can sell Owen Carney, Isaiah Gay. Tony Adams, man, played his best football towards the end of the season as well. A guy that got benched, and he's been emotional. He had a great story on him, and afterwards in this postgame, um, he was emotional about like this staff not giving up on him and, and to feel good at the end of his career and, and go into his professional pursuits with a lot of confidence and feeling like he's a good football player. Like These guys now feel like they're good football players because, I mean, Lovey Smith recruited some good athletes, Right, I, I thought he he and James Kirkland had good eyes for what the traits were, um, but they just couldn't get it all to work together on the field at least consistently. And, and that's where Bielema and, and Ryan Walters on that defense really found that. Uh, we'll wrap up this conversation. Special teams. Blake Hayes probably not first or second team punter guys because Adam Korsak and Jordan Stout uh, are really really good. But Blake had a really good year. He's gonna have a chance to play in the NFL. The Big Ten is just loaded with punters. James McCord after today, man, um, like a consideration for all Big Ten. 18-23 this year, great from long distance. I mean, as a Bears fan, Joey, and I know you as a, as a Packers fan feel this too because one of your problems Stop on it. your team Stop it. Stop. Is, the, is old man Crosby. For me as a Bears fan, it's Cairo Santos has been great, but he can't kick a 50-yard field goal in a dome. And I'm sitting here seeing James McCord hit a 49er with 10 extra yards on it with wind out here, right, in Memorial Stadium where it swirls. And he's going to have a chance. Is he accurate enough, consistent enough? We'll see. But uh, he should get into a camp, especially with what he's learned from Chase McGough. Old man Crosby was just a little much for me. Well, I, I'm not over that. 
Uh, look. COVID toe Rogers. You oh, to God. Oh, no. What a nightmare. Sorry. What a nightmare. Cut it out of this. Well, we're going to restart this pod. But, I mean, honestly, remember how many games – I'm going to pull up James McCourt's numbers, you know, game by game here because there were games where he just wasn't – the offense just wasn't even giving him an opportunity. Let's be honest. James McCourt was one of the best offensive weapons they had, and they didn't give him enough opportunities to score points. I mean, think about Maryland. You just get him a field goal at some point, and, and you win that game. Purdue, you get in the field goal range just a few more times, you might have a chance to win that game. So that was another part of the offense. Like, you just weren't able to, especially in that 40-yard, 40s end zone, I think uh, Jay Lehman calls it the alumni zone, uh, they just weren't able to convert. James McCord, one attempt in week zero, he missed it, against Nebraska, zero attempts against Virginia, zero attempts against Wisconsin, zero attempts against Rutgers, zero attempts against Minnesota. Holy crap. Like 18 of 23, branch that out. I mean, if, he, if the offense is competent in some of those games, you're looking at much better numbers here for James McCourt. And yeah, three of 50 yards this year, man. He's, yeah. he's got the leg. He's got the leg. And, and along with that, kickoffs. He has a touchback on 42, kickoff, 42 of 51 kickoffs. Yeah, that, that, is, one, that one still burns you. <laughs> well, if you remember Brett Bielema's comments on Monday – I think they've got some questions about that because he, he, he brought it up. Something along the lines of I'm still looking into this. He and James are having a discussion. But 42 of 51, I mean, he may as well have just started most teams at the 25 and gone. And he's really had a, a good season. And that whole KPS operation with Ethan Tabell and Blake and, and um, James, again, special teams get so overlooked, except for you, Taylor Lightsey. No one really overlooks him by this point. Those guys were really impactful for this football team. Like they've done it for year yeah. after year, and now you got to replace them, right? Like that's and Caleb Griffin has waited his turn. I think we've seen he can be a good Big Ten kicker. Threading Will McManus uh, is a walk on, prefer walk on. He he should get a scholarship within a year or two. Um, so they'll add talent. Um, and, and a punter, Hugh Robertson, another Aussie, uh, 29 years old, I believe, next year. We'll have all our feature stories about them in the offseason. But long snapper, Aiden Hall, takes over. Uh, so those guys have been learning from some of the best. But you almost took them for granted because, one, you're losing games with them. But, two, like, you just knew you had a good specialist group. And Illinois always kind of had an advantage or at least been even uh, in Big Ten games. So all those guys, Ethan Tabell, Blake Hayes, James McCourt, great careers, and they all got a chance at the next level. Yeah, they, and Ethan Tabell told me, he said, hey, our goal, we're all trying to go to the league here. And I did, if we're going to just bring up the Packers unsolicited, <laughs> as some of us have decided we're going to do in this, um, <laughs> I thought it was a point until the Packers traded for a punter. I thought, man, wouldn't that be cool? Like, all three Illinois guys end up in Green Bay. And, and like, it's really not unforeseen. Like, I expect all of them in a camp, minimally, in a camp. And, and, and in terms of James, like, there are some, maybe some questions about his accuracy, with a leg like that, you're going to get in there, and you're going to get a chance. Like, let's be honest, there are not enough NFL kickers. Like, it's just not. Like, it seems like if you follow whatever team you follow, everyone's bringing in X, X, Y, and Z kicker for a workout. The second their current kicker misses, like, two field goals in a game, except for Green Bay with Mason Crosby. But I just want to make the point, like, I think the one thing with James, like, would be consistency, but if you break down his field goals, like – Brett Bielma was very aggressive in 50-plus-yard field goals. He had eight attempts, made four of them. That's pretty good accuracy. He missed one field goal inside of 50 yards. That's pretty good. Like, that's a really good sign for James McCourt. So 18-23, pretty good for a college kicker. But then when you break it down, like, they're going eight attempts of 50-plus yards. Like, that's a lot. I think one of them was, like, 55-plus. Uh, to make four of eight of those and one miss one inside of 50 yards – that's a pretty dang good consistency. Yeah, and you're right. This is a good call to it's break. It's a lot of good down. kicker talk today, man. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah, boy, we we got here. People are so excited. Now we're now we're into the, the kicker discussion. But yeah, man, I, I just think we again we saw so much of it. Just kind of really, it's been slowly coming together, slowly rolling that way. And and today was felt like an exclamation point, didn't it? I mean, maybe I'm just. You know, as I sit here and the post game was good and everyone remembers all this, I'm like, yeah, it's, this is just a good exclamation point on, on this first season with them. It's a feel-good end of the season. Now you see how you can build off it, right? Um, we'll see if they get another game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. But let's talk about that, Joey. Um, how you do build off this. Because if you follow it up with a 3-9 and season, you might not feel as good, right? So, And that's within the realm of possibility, given everything they have to replace uh, on this team. But you do bring the semblance of a really good defense with Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton uh, in the middle. I thought Calvin Avery might have had his best game as an Illini today. Uh, so if he could, continues to get in better shape, comes back, and you know has a better season at nose guard, Virtus Brown has talent. Uh, but, you know, C.J. Hart's back. Tariq Barnes is back. Kalon Tolson is back. Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, Kirby Joseph. Uh, so you got some holes to fill, but you also have a lot on that defense. And I think we just trust that. You know, they can develop a Seth Coleman to take the next step. Um, Alec Bryant, uh, the, the transfer from Virginia Tech, can, can he play right away and kind of fill a role? Can they add an Antonio Doyle, a Texas A&M transfer, some transfer who could come in and make an impact? Can he go find a, a veteran cornerback? I think he got a good sell, plus there's some young guys who are talented. I think most of the questions we have about this offseason roster-wise, because um, are you going to have any coaching turn? I, I, I don't think that's likely. I mean – does Kevin Kane decide to go with Sonny Dykes to TCU? I don't know if he changes course that quickly uh, after deciding to come to, to Brett Bielma. So I think coaching staff-wise, uh, I'd be surprised if there's several moves here, uh, especially given you know steps forward this year. But you got to go find a quarterback. That's no secret. We'll find out who that is probably in the next couple months. But the biggest thing outside of quarterback is you've got to add some offensive linemen. Right, um, you got to replace four starters in this offensive line. I thought Jack Bedovinak played some of his best ball late. We know what Vidarian, Doug Kramer, um, and uh, Alex Palczewski brought to this program. Outside of Julian Pearl, it's hard to figure in who's going to be the starters. Is it Jordan Slaughter? Is it Josh Krutz? Is it Zach Barlev? Is it Alex Pilstrom? Um, they could take a big step back there this season. And, and this year, it was, it was a big strength of their offense. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't. I mean, there are some, obviously, the positions you name defensively I wonder about. I also think it's worth noting D.J. Johnson was a hand-picked guy by this coaching staff as an edge player, outside linebacker. Uh, so, again, I just think you've got a lot of film to, to really be out there and show people how that would work. Offense, this is always going to begin and end with the quarterback, right? Like, this is not even a new discussion. Well, I'm curious so much about the timing of how they do it, what they're looking for, how, you know, what – do they go all in on one? Do they cast a super wide net? Like, there's so many different nuances of that I, I wonder about. But the offensive line, again, one, Brett's got a history of success. Two, I think you saw the improvements over the season, right? Like, there were games this offensive line just wasn't very good. And, it, you know, it, fewer and far between in, in the last few weeks. Pass pro had been an issue at times. But some of those big positions – you're not going to have to go find a running back. You're just not going to have to do that. Probably going to have to find a wide receiver. I think it's worth noting Daniel Barker went through the senior day celebration today. Um, what's that mean, right? Like, yeah, the, He's a guy that wanted to go pro last year, right? Yeah. He thinks he's an NFL guy, and, and I think he'll put his name in. I think Chase Brown will put his name in, right? I think some of these guys have deserved that. Yeah, yeah and that doesn't mean Daniel Barker's gone. I just think it's one of those, like, let's do this, and if this path is what works for me, then at least I have this moment, and if not – 
we'll have this moment again. But I, I, that's something always to monitor, right? I mean, and Brett Bielma said Luke Ford has to decision to make. I mean, I'd be surprised if Luke Ford was drafted, but we know the NFL is looking at him. I thought it was more. I think it's more for 2023's NFL draft than 2022. And he didn't have the huge year, right? He can block. I think he can block at the NFL level, but I think he's got to show a little bit more as pass catcher. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, offensively. There are some holes, and it feels so much more dramatic when one of the holes is the most important position on the football field, right? And so that's that's the story the of the offseason. Yeah, it is, and and I'm with you. I don't I don't foresee a lot of staff turnover. That's not us saying it's not going to happen because offseasons are stupid weird, and this coaching carousel is on like a hundred miles an hour right now. Uh, but it's just hard for me to maybe imagine all of that. So in, in some capacities, Jeremy, I think you're going to have. Like the last, let's just go back the last two off seasons a little bit, right? Like with 2020 off season, you have winter conditioning and hooray, whatever, or 2019, right? And then you have no spring ball, and you, you're literally across the country. This past off season, the whole new coaching staff walks in the door. You've got to figure out all of that. Now there is going to be some some change, right? Like positional change, uh, personnel change on the field. Well, and there's going to be guys towards the bottom of the roster who are going to be gone. Right, like, there are going to be guys at the bottom of this roster. So when you see Illinois player enters the transfer portal, read the story, look who it is, know who it is before you freak out and say, what is going on? There's going to be a lot of turnover, especially with guys who are sophomores who've had four years of scholarship that are not guaranteed to have another one, right? Like, there's 85 scholarships. Brett Bielma has to make most of the use of all of it, right? So guys like, all right, I don't want to throw out a name, but there's – there's a, there's a couple guys in this roster that are seniors, fifth-year seniors, that probably aren't going to get another year, right? Because Just because they don't make an impact, they don't play. Yeah, and to your point, read the story before you freak out on the headline. Secondly, if you're writing headlines, don't just write Illinois player enters transfer portal. That's stupid, and it's a bad headline, and please, for the love of God, don't do that. But, yeah, I mean, there's going to be bottom-of-the-roster changes and – and, you know, some of it might be jarring in terms of numbers, right? Like, I think a lot of people who are, you know, flying, you know, 4,000 feet above this program and the day-to-day of it are going to look at it and say, what the heck, it looked like Bielema had so much momentum and now, you know, all these players are gone if that comes to be the case. I think most fans are pretty smart about it. At least sure. the people listening to this podcast are smart enough. Yeah, I'm just saying broadly, like, you're going to see some sort of – I remember before the season started – when any number of players went in the portal and people were like, eight Illinois players were like, okay, stop. Just, it's just critically think about all of this here. But, yeah, man, I, I, but I, having the same – at least I, I'm going to go into this assuming all the same voices are going to be present. That's a big freaking deal. And to have that trust of a year with Brett Bielema, a year with Bart Miller, Corey Pat, well, Corey Patterson has been around, but George McDonald, Kevin Kane, Ryan Walters, Tony Peterson – that helps, man. I mean, changing voices, changing thought processes, personnel, all of that is its a lot to deal with. And, you know, it's kind of like second nature, I guess, when you're talking about Illinois because it seems like every time there's a senior day, you and I and everybody else is like, so you went through a coaching change. And then like that, that that's a lot to wear. And I just think that stability is going to help because that with that stability comes the belief from the guys in that locker room listening, and that that all of that put together matters. It's been a long time since there wasn't a lot of coaching change in an off season for Illinois. It, it's just been a long time where you're not having multiple coaches change in and out, and, and maybe that could still be the case. I don't know, but I just don't foresee it. Um, which is why you want a guy like Brett Bielma, who, who's got some credibility, who can draw good coaches and, and can improve people and make people feel good about the direction of the program. So that's what I think. Like I, I think after this win, the way you won it, the way you ended this season, the way you competed week after week, I just feel, think you yeah, got to feel that like Illinois football is far better a year after Brett Bielma took over. That, that, that's it. That's the nut graph right there in, in journalism sense is that – Illinois is in a better place one year after Brett Bielma took over as head coach. You can see it in the standings. You can see it as you're watching every week, because even if you have excruciating losses, you're competitive in those games. Like You, you didn't do that a lot with Lovey Smith. Your defense, week after week, gave you a chance to win. Your running game was good. Now you've got to find those pieces that take you to the next level, and that's what we'll find out over the next couple weeks, Joe. Yeah, it's going to be 
so they're going to practice next week. But before we start looking too far ahead, they're going to practice until they're told not to. By the way, it like it does not look like there's going to be many bowl spots open for five win teams. So just, it just does not feel like they're going to go to a bowl. But they can practice until they're told they aren't going to a bowl. So Brett Bean was going to do that. Uh, yeah, smart call there, huh? Uh, it's for it, developmental guys, right? It's yeah. really, it's really good for those young guys who don't get a lot of reps. Like, I don't think these seniors <laughs> are going to practice that much. Your starters are going to practice that much. But for developmental guys, it could be huge. Yeah, and, and we also the other, the kind of the other little curveball, I guess, or thing to monitor is there's going to be some programs who are going to undergo some coaching changes, right? And, and they're just going to say, "Thank you, but no thank you" to a bowl game and. And Brett Bielema will not be one of those guys that presented with the opportunity who says thanks but no thanks. So something to monitor. But, yeah, beyond that, I mean, I think really the offseason, I'm wondering how much it's going to happen fast and furious here because Bielema's on the road for a week. And I'm sure he's going out on closing time on some of these things and trying to put this out there. And I'm sure they've got a list of guys in the portal who are of pretty significant interest to them. So I just wonder how fast – this all goes, and I don't think like you're going to know your roster by New Year's Day, right? But I, I just wonder what the the pace of this is going to look like. Yeah, I think you're going to see them really wrap up the 2022 class, right? I mean, Magnus Moeller, the the massive kid from Denmark, uh, was here today. Offensive lineman. They're going to add another offensive lineman. I think there's a good shot it's going to be him. Elijah McCantos was here for an unofficial visit. That's a good sign for them. Uh, so he's close to a decision here. Uh, Gabe Jockis, an outside linebacker. They want probably add another defensive lineman at some point they want to add a safety uh probably at some point as well so yeah i think they'll wrap up with about four or five more of those prep players maybe up to six and then they got about 10 12 spots for transfers and the most important one is a, is a quarterback and i think they would love to get a quarterback here in january if that's possible you don't you don't take a guy just because he can be here in january you want the most talented guy if he's here in, in july and, and he can be a guy who steps in, like A.J. Bush and Brandon Peters, they got here in July, right? So um, you take the most talented guy, you get the guy who fits the best. I would take two if you could. I just think that's very difficult unless you have, like, a redshirt freshman and a, a guy who's going to start right away. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they can go hunt for defensive players right now. That portal is really going to fill up now that the season is over, and they'll be all over it. So it will be interesting. I don't think they're going to get everybody. Right, um, by because there can be a lot of talented guys that come out in the spring, so you want to leave a couple scholarship spots for there. But yes, you'd love to add an edge rusher, you'd love to add a nose guard, you'd love to have a quarterback and at least two offensive linemen, and maybe a talented wide receiver by the time you get to, to mid January. Yeah, and, and I'm very curious how this all shapes. I'm with you, I'm a little impatient in probably like two aspects of my life, and, and like this would be one of those. Just, just make sure this is all put together, like. Let's be honest, we, we talked about this, this first transfer class, it's just not really been wow. And I wonder if, if Brett was looking for certain things in year one. and, and year, I'm just curious how this all shapes out. Because here's the thing, Jeremy, we've not really covered a true offseason under Brett Bielema. So, like, it's very hard for us to, under, to, to predict what this all looks like in terms of, of time or, or just general trends and what they do like. I'm kind of excited about that element of this because it's it's something different for us. And, and last season was so silly and weird with, with all the, you know, there's like staggered announcements back. And it just didn't feel like a true, this is what we think it'll look like year after year. So I, kind of nitty gritty, you know, kind of fun stuff for us. And maybe some fans enjoy it. Maybe some fans want to wake up in July and know who the roster is. And for each drone, it's just interesting. Well, and they can actually be on the road. Right, right. Like, there's there's rules in place, there's protocols in place, but they can be out on the road recruiting. And I think for this staff to be out on the road recruiting, that is a much better place to be, especially after the strides you showed on the field. All right, we got to get to riding. Uh, so hopefully everybody enjoyed this. Uh, it was a heck of an Illinois football season. If it is a close, it was really interesting. They took some steps forward. I think there's things to feel pretty good about, and uh, some areas that they definitely need to get better at. But uh, thank you for being along with us along this journey. I know it was frustrating at certain points. It was exciting at other points. But I do think Illinois football is, is trending in the right direction, or at least did during this season. And it's going to be really exciting to see where they go from here. For Joey Wagner, I'm Jeremy Warner. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Don't forget, I, we got so many recruiting updates 
after today. There's a lot of important recruits here on campus. We're able to uh, check up with a lot of them. So we are going to have that coming out. Dane Danger is now an Illini uh, from uh, the Baylor transfer, which, quick take, Joey, less than a minute here, okay? we can wrap this up. But nice addition for a post-Kofi world uh, to get a skilled big man like that to pair with Omar Payne, to pair with Coleman Hawkins. Should I mention Benjamin Bosman's for dunking this? I don't know. But you're starting to get different pieces, and, and you're not going to be as good in the post without Kofi. But you got to be good there still and have Coleman Hawkins, Danger, uh, and, and Omar Payne, talented players, right? All top 140 prospects when they were high school prospects. Uh, I think it's a really intriguing ad and a really good ad after uh, – you know, having one spot open. This is why you want a one spot open, so that if Mac ETM wanted to jump on board or if Dane Danger wanted to jump on board, you can have And the work with Fletch begins as soon as he gets on camp. But th- that's not a, a knock on It's just the fact that, like, he's not playing this year for Illinois, right? And work for a whole year with Adam Fletcher. Get yourself ready, and, and then it'll be time next year because there's going to be, we assume, uh, a minute in the spot that was Kofi Coburn's. It's, Good addition, and they obviously, this moved really, really quickly, really quickly. Uh, Tim Anderson, back-to-back, Tim Anderson's kind of on a heater right now. Huge heater. Huge heater. We'll see if uh, Jeff Alexander jumps into that, too, because he added one of his top targets, Jeremy Fears, here on campus. They're lining up their ducks in a row here. Uh, Pretty interesting to watch. Anyway, Derek Piper will have more on Dane Danger. Uh, there's a Jeremy Fears story up on the, the site right now you can check out. Joey had a great uh, uh, dispatch from DeKalb. Uh, Jordan Anderson and Malachi Hood won their state championship. Congratulations to Ian Pugh on his state championship as well. we got a lot of work to do. It's the offseason, but a lot of work to do. And I have an offseason column coming up here this weekend as well. So sign up for Alana Inquirer. 75% off your first year. That's our deal going on right now. It's our best deal of the year. Take advantage of it now because it's going to get really, really busy, even though the season is over for football most likely. Uh, we got a lot of content coming up. So appreciate listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. And we'll talk to you guys next time and take care of each other. And we will talk to you next time on the Online Enquirer podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.